Hello, everyone. Welcome once again. So glad that you are here. My name is Alan. Welcome once again to Mountain Park. Uh, we live in America, and fear is a significant part of the American story. It has been for many, many years. The multi-billion dollar media industry is based on fear in so many ways. They want to stir up some kind of fear, and then they want us to continue to, to check back in for more information to learn more about that fear that we get, gets stirred up, etc., etc. The multi-billion dollar insurance industry is based on fear. Despite their brilliant commercials, they really don't exist for the purpose of protecting us and giving us freedom. These, uh, these businesses are there to make a whole lot of money off of our fears. So here in 2020, in a country that is already plagued by fear, we are experiencing an even more elevated reality of fear. There's just, there are now so many newer things for us to be afraid of. See, fear, fear really is just not knowing what's right in front of us. That, that, that could be kind of a simplified version of what fear is. We just, we just don't know what is ahead of us. And so we're afraid. That's why many are you know, afraid of darkness. That's why darkness can be scary because we literally don't know what is right in front of us. That's why some people are afraid of heights because they, they just don't know, is this platform gonna hold me up? Is this rope that I'm attached to, is it strong enough to hold me up? So a, a young man might be afraid to ask a girl out because he doesn't know what that next step is. How is she going to respond? It's just a natural thing. The fear and the anxiety kicks in when we don't know what's right ahead of us. And so now all of this stuff is elevated. What's going to happen with the economy of the country? What if someone that I care about gets sick? How sick are they going to get? When might this happen? How is this stuff going to happen? So the fear and the anxiety, it just increases. When we talk about faith, when we talk about Trusting God, essentially what that means is that even though we don't know all of the steps in front of us and there is a, a sense of, of, of unknown, a sense of darkness sometimes, the trusting and the faith is basically just saying, God, you do. You do know what's ahead of us. And so we put our trust in you. We know that you will take care of your children. You will take care of your kids. Um, today we're starting a new series, and it is, it's called You Never Know, that you and I, we are walking down the sometimes frightening streets of life, and, and you never know what's around the corner. But our God, who is so loving, has some beautiful and incredible things waiting for us just around the corner, and you never know what God has planned. Would you pray with me? Father, I know every, everybody who's hearing this right now has, has levels of fear. Those of us who have a certain bent on the whole corona deal, there's still fears that, 
that are stirred up. And those of us who, you know, there's, there's some who are just tremendously concerned and, and, and bringing tremendous amount of anxiety into every day with what's going on right now, God. You know all of this. You know what's happening. It is just this sense of not knowing what's right in front of us, but you do, God. So would you come and use your word to help us understand who you are in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that fear, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Well, this uh, series that we're launching today, it's a four-week series, and it really looks at and covers the book of Acts. The New Testament starts off with the four versions of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it jumps into the book of Acts, which is the story of what happens after Jesus rises from the dead and ascends into heaven. It is the story of how the, the men and women who chose to follow Jesus continued on this, uh, uh, continued this journey. And the rest of the New Testament is essentially letters written by some of these leaders as part of that story. But really the book of Acts is the whole story. If you have a journal that Duane talked about. If you have a journal, I invite you to, to open it up to pages eight and nine. Pages eight and nine have this, this section called seven parts of the story. And so in this series, these four weeks, I like to refer to this part of the story, the second half of the New, the New Testament as the revolution. If you see there on the right side, on the top right of your journal, there's a summary of the revolution story. And this kind of shows where it fits in the context of the whole story of humanity. I, I like to refer to it as the revolution because these folks, they literally changed the world through their actions and what they said and what they did, et cetera. They, they changed the world. The world's a different place because of them. A couple hundred years ago, Napoleon said, actually, more accurately, Napoleon he said this, he said this about the, the, the story that the Gospels were telling. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. I don't know if that was more Napoleon or uh, Inspector Clouseau, but... but uh, but uh, Napoleon had this to say a couple hundred years ago that said that's, that many people, they make their revolutions, they make their big changes upon force, but Jesus came in and started a revolution of love. This is what these, these followers of, of his did. It was a revolution that changed the world, a revolution, not of force, but a revolution of love. The book of Acts is really a remarkable book. There's just so much in there. Uh, the, the book of Acts covers a, a span of about 30 years of a story. It covers 30 different countries and about uh, 50 different unique locations that are part of the story. It's kind of like a James Bond movie. It just kind of goes on and on to multiple different places and the story continues. There are, there's, there's nearly 100 people mentioned in the book of Acts, 60 of whom are not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible or anywhere else in any literature. The book of Acts has a tremendous amount of details and information. In fact, it is a treasure chest 
for historians, even those who don't believe in, in the story of Jesus and the, that it is a, a real story that Jesus is God, that the book of Acts is a treasure chest for historians. There's information about how governments worked 2,000 years ago and about the court system and about the social system and all of this information, all of this data that, that the, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts and he just jams all this stuff in there. You know, if you want to write something and you want to avoid criticism, then be vague. If you want to avoid criticism, just don't give a lot of details. That's why lawyers say to criminals who are in trouble, they just say, hey, don't say anything. Don't say anything because that's good. Whatever you say, it's going to get you in trouble. Fortunately, Luke chose not to take that path. Luke said, so Luke wrote both the, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke and Acts. And at the beginning of Luke, at the beginning of this, this whole story that he writes, he says that he came to write an accurate account of the story of Jesus. And we are so thankful for that because there is so much here in the book of Acts. Okay, all of that is a setup for this, this series and the book of Acts that we're gonna be looking at over the next four weeks. Today, we're specifically gonna look at Acts chapter two and the incredible story of Pentecost, the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to open your Bibles up to the book of Acts. We're looking at Acts chapter two and uh, beginning in verse one. Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So again, today we're talking about Pentecost. The word, we connect the word Pentecost typically with Acts chapter two, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But the Jewish people who gathered, who were a part of this story, they would have already been familiar with the concept of Pentecost. That would not be a new concept for them. Pentecost, penta means five, the Pentagon, you know, it's five-sided building, so penta means five. And literally Pentecost means 50 days. It's 50 days, it's a celebration that's 50 days after Passover. So if you step back and look at the story of Jesus, Jesus assembled with the disciples on, on, on a Thursday, and that was Passover. And then he died and he was dead for three days. And then he came back to life and he, he hung out with his folks, with his friends, with those who, who were his followers for 40 days. So that's a total of 43. So now we have a space of seven days between the time that Jesus ascended back into heaven and Acts chapter two, one week of them waiting, not sure what's gonna happen next. And then boom, Acts chapter two. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? That's an area that's north of Jerusalem. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, etc., 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 down to halfway through verse 11. 
We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. (laughs) Some of us have somebody like that in our lives. You know, it doesn't matter how awesome something is. Something incredible happens in your life and you just want to tell people about it. And there's, there's, it's, maybe it's an uncle. It's somebody in your life, perhaps in your family, who says, ah, they were probably just drinking. The world hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The story goes on, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) This is awesome. This is Peter's first message. Okay. And Peter is, is the first leader of this seven day old group of followers of Jesus trying to figure out what's going on. Peter is the one who stood up to be the first leader. The, in the Catholic tradition, Peter was the first Pope. And so we might say that he was the first pastor of the first gathering, the first church. And the first thing that he does is tell a joke. So maybe that's why all of us uh, pastors feel the need to continue to try to tell a joke every once in a while, because 2,000 years ago, that's how Peter started this whole thing. He says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I'm here all week. I mean, I just, I love the Bible. I love this stuff here. Like I said at the beginning, you never know what's going to happen. These guys had no idea what God had in store for them. You never know what's around the corner. But with the rest of my time, I just want to talk about some of the things we can learn from this story. You never know what's around the corner, but... You can always count on the fact that God has a certain style. God has a consistency about him that is so helpful as we interact with him, as we try to, you know, as we ask the question, was this from God? Was this something God was doing? God has a certain style. There's a consistency to who God is. We just sang about that. God, you've done it before. Do it again. You've done it before. Do it again. God has a consistency that we can celebrate. Just look back on the story. Verse two, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. That's how it started. Of course, there's going to be a wind. This is how, this is how God started the whole thing with Adam and Eve, that, that, that he breathed life into Adam. <sighs> Later on in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel talks about a, a, a valley of dry bones and that God breathed on those bones. God breathed on those bones and they assembled, assembled and came together and became an army. Of course, there's going to be wind in here because God has a certain style. Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Of course, there's going to be fire. How did Moses hear the call and the challenge from God to go free the people from Egypt? A burning bush. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as a consuming fire, wanting to burn the impurities out of us because he just loves us and wants to, wants to help us in that such a powerful, strong way. Of course, there's going to be a fire. Jump down to verse 5. They were staying in Jerusalem, 
God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Of course they're going to be from every nation. It has always been God's heart for every nation. It started with the Jewish people, but what we find in the book of Acts is that God wants to make sure this goes to everyone. He loves the whole world, as Dwayne said just a few moments ago. God so loved the whole world. Of course he's going to have a heart for all the nations. You never know what's around the corner, but one of the things you can count on is that God is consistent. He is consistent, and he has a certain style about him. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if something just doesn't seem like this is God, then let's just check the consistency of who God is. This is something important for us to count on. Secondly, the second thing I want to pull out of this story is that you never know what's around the corner, but God wants you to be heard this, this story is, is, is remarkable. It's incredible, this story of Acts chapter 2 and the people being able to hear one another. Could you imagine being at a, at a gathering, at a party, at a, at a worship service, and standing right next to somebody who speaks a completely different language? Well, I'm not talking about a different dialect, Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, people from the South who tend to say some things that are kind of funny. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about people from Canada who like to talk, you know, with a sing-song kind of thing, you know. They're always happy all the time. I'm not talking about a dialect. I'm talking about a completely different language. Could you imagine standing next to someone like that? And you just look at them, and somehow something comes out of you, and you look at them, and you say, Abijah. And they look at you, and you don't know what can happen. And they look at you, and they say, Abijah. And then you go, Abijah, 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 Abijah. And you have this conversation. The whole thing would have been absolutely amazing. You ever find with some of your most significant relationships in life, it just seems like you're no longer speaking the same language. It's, it's not just about different countries and different, it's just we can sit with one another, live with one another, and feel like we're speaking a different language. Maybe at, at work, you, you, you are trying to, to understand your boss, but your boss just is saying things that just don't make any sense to you, and it's just so frustrating. Or you're trying to communicate with a, with a team or a group of people that you're working with, and they just don't seem to understand. Or maybe it's your family. It's a parent or a sibling or maybe one of your kids that some time ago you stopped communicating with them because you, 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 you just don't even know how to talk to one another anymore. It's like you speak two completely different languages. Or the most painful one is the relationship between a husband and wife, a relationship that, that used to have communication that, that just flowed so beautifully. It used to connect so well when you're dating early on and you could stay up late and just talk and talk and talk and discover one another. It was so amazing. And then somehow the language just started to drift and now you don't even know how to talk to one another without it turning into a heated conversation. You ever feel like in some of your most important and intimate relationships, it just seems like you're speaking a different language. If we can in those moments, even though it just kind of seems like, like darkness, 
if we can just take, a, take another step forward and trust God in some of those moments, you never know how the Holy Spirit might bring a moment, a conversation, an opportunity that is going to allow you to actually hear one another. It may have been 10 years since you've been able to communicate with that significant person in your life, but, but the Holy Spirit can come and allow you to be heard. When's the last time you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit who was alive and well to help you understand someone in your life? Just say, God, help me. Help me hear the words that are coming out of her or his mouth. Or maybe there's a need to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help somebody else understand your words. Maybe you don't feel heard, but the way our God works in, in those, on those difficult streets, those frightening streets of life, the way that God works is that he wants you to be heard. You have a role to play in the story. And so you need to be heard and you need to listen to others. We need to listen to one another. Finally, you never know what's around the corner. But something else that is consistent in this story, that is consistent in our God, consistent in the whole story, is that we want to be a part of something that's real. We want to know that something is real. Let me explain what I mean by this. Jesus, in, in chapter one, in the chapter prior to the one we're looking at today, he already told the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come. So the whole thing wasn't completely unknown. The people didn't know, you know, all this, the, how amazing this story was going to be. But Jesus had told them in, in chapter 1, verse uh, 5, Jesus says, In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In the chapter right before that, just right before Jesus had ascended into heaven, he let them know the Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, these disciples, these, those who gathered here in this story, seven days after Jesus ascended into heaven, they were not revolutionaries that changed the world because they had hope that something great was going to happen. They weren't revolutionaries because they just had so much strength and confidence and, and courage that they just said, you know, we are so optimistic. They changed the world. They were revolutionaries because they saw it, because they heard it, because they tasted it. They were there. They knew that it was real beyond a shadow of a doubt. They were there. They saw it. They saw the wind and the fire and they heard one another speaking and understanding each other. See, you and I, we are not going to realize our role in God's story. We are not going to to experience the fullness of the purpose that God has for us until we come to a, a high level of confidence that this story is real, that our God is real, that the Jesus we are putting our, 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 our lives, we're trusting our lives to is real, that this Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, who shows up in this story, that the Holy Spirit, he is real. It's like, for those of you who are Star Wars fans, it's like in episode seven, when Han Solo first meets Rey 
And he says, if you remember, they're on, they're on the Millennium Falcon and there's little floaty dots around them. And he looks at Ray and he says, it's real. All of it. It's all real. This was about, you know, that was about the force and Jedis and all that kind of stuff. But this was this experience that these, that these disciples got to experience. They, they saw it. It's real. It's all real. The people that you care about, the people who do not yet know Jesus as their savior, the people in your family, the people at work, the people in your community, friends, whatever, what they really wanna know is if this whole thing is real. They, they don't wanna be entertained. They don't wanna come with you to church and be entertained. And sure, every once in a while I try a joke, but I only do it because Peter did 2,000 years ago. But the whole point of it is not for any of us to be entertained. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be evaluated. They don't want to be told what they're doing is wrong and that you know the way for them to do it right. They don't want to be argued into the kingdom. The people who do not yet know that Jesus is real, they just want to know if this story is real. They want to know that when you talk about your faith, they want to know that you have a real relationship with Jesus. It is not about having all the right answers. It's, it's about knowing I have had a real story. I've made a memory with God and I can tell you about it if you're interested. People wanna know if it's real. People wanna know if it's real. Because when we're walking around in the fear and anxiety that so many of us are walking around with. And, and it seems like the steps in front of us are, are poorly lit. That they're just, they're just, there's, there's a, such a lack of light on it. We just don't even know what's going on. The fear kicks in. We don't know what's ahead of us. We don't know, you know, for those of you who are students, you don't know what the rest of this school year is gonna look like. You don't know, how long is this gonna go? How long am I gonna have to look at a screen to try to do school and keep up with my work? We don't know if at work, you know, things are different. And so how are things going to, to, what's the trajectory of this? What's around the corner? We don't know. How much are things gonna change once we do start coming back to work? We don't know what's gonna happen with the economy, what's around the corner. We, we don't know how the whole race, racial reconciliation journey is gonna go and how God is gonna, gonna, gonna transform us through all of that. We don't know. You never know when the Holy Spirit is gonna come and bring hope into an area of your life that feels like a mess. You never know. You never know what's around the corner. But there's some things that we, can, that we can just celebrate from this story. That God has a certain style. There's a consistency to who God is. You, you can know that you matter in this story. Your voice matters. That you need to be heard in this story. Even when it seems like people just seem to be speaking a different language. And we can we can rest on the fact that this is real. This really happened. And what God's doing in our lives right now is real. You never know. You never know what's around the corner. But you also never know when the Holy Spirit is gonna show up and bring hope 
into an area of your life that just feels like a mess. There's so much hope in that. We invite you to continue on this story with us over the next three weeks as we celebrate the revolution of love that these guys carried on. Before I let you go, I'd love to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we we talk and we worship and focus a whole lot on you as our Father and a whole lot on Jesus as our Savior. Forgive us, Lord, if we do not pay due attention to your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray that, that we would have a renewed sense through this story, through your presence in our lives, that you are real, that your Holy Spirit lives in us and, and knows what's going on and walks with us and shines light on the, on the dark steps ahead of us. God, we wait and we anticipate with excitement for when your Holy Spirit, when you show up in places that seem so dark, and bring your beauty, and bring your transformation. Help us to pay attention to your Holy Spirit this week, to listen, to be attentive in new ways, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. It's good to be with you guys today. We are so excited that in two weeks, two weeks, we're going to be able to gather here in this place. Excited to do that with you. We will see you Soon. God bless you. Have a great week.